You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clubo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay. Hey Cliff, what's happening? Nothing, Bob's just getting ready for another exciting episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. Yeah, we got another great guest tonight, going along with our theme of Bigfoot vocalizations and possible sounds they make. We got my go-to man when I have an audio file I need to get analyzed if I'm not sure about it, Dave Ellis up in Washington. So Dave, welcome to Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We are excited to have you here, not only because you do such good work, but honestly, you're a good friend of both of ours and have been for a long time. We appreciate you setting aside a little part of your day to speak to us. So welcome to the show. Great. Thank you for having me on your program, guys. I very much appreciate it. And I'm very humbled. This is a humbling experience. It wasn't all that long ago I was sitting in, uh, in audiences uh, watching people talk about Bigfoot. And uh, you guys had quite the reputation when I got into the, the world of Bigfooting, researching in the field. And you've been icons uh, ever since. So very much appreciate uh, you wanting to take the time to listen to me. Like Bobo said, you're his go-to guy, and you're also you're my go-to guy because uh, you have just been drowning in vocalizations for for years and years and years. Um, and you're one of these weirdo freaks that loves to like scan through audio files, just hours and hours of sitting down and looking at it. And we're going to talk a little bit about your methodology for how you attack uh, um, vocalization sound files and stuff, and also what you've learned from it. But first, uh, there are probably some people listening that maybe don't know who you are. Can you give us a little bit? Of a background about you, where you came from, what you got into this, or why did you get into this, and you know all that sort of stuff. Sure, I'm I'm kind of an old timer as far as becoming aware of things in the woods. My uh, grandfather in the uh, mid '50s told of a story that um, kind of made me think that monkeys were living in the woods. Uh, he had a farm out near Battleground, Washington. And as he was cutting hay on a summer day, not unlike today, uh, he saw what appeared to him to be about a five-foot-tall monkey stand up from a, a crouched position and run across uh, the hayfield, hop a fence, and into the woods. So from that story, I had kind of an idea that uh, monkeys were in the woods. And it wasn't well maybe five or six years uh later i was about 11 years old when i had my own personal experience and um i'll cut this short in effort of time but uh, essentially we were uh yelled at by a very long vocalization at least 12 seconds and john andrews uh recorded something that was exactly like what i had heard and if you've ever heard a long vocalization in the field, which I know you have, I was maybe 30 feet from it when it cut loose, uh, knocked me to the ground. So it was a, a pr pretty amazing uh, situation. You know, just on a little side note, um, just today in the North American Bigfoot Center here, a gentleman came in from Battleground, Washington with a footprint cast that he got out of his garden this past January, February, like the beginning of February into January. So um, that area is still active today. I mean, or at least it was in January. I think that's safe to say today. Um, so just as a side note, out of curiosity, literally today, as far as synchronicities go, somebody came in with a cast from Battleground. 
Yeah, the uh, the Salmon Creek uh, is has its headway at the where another sighting that I think you guys covered. What was the name of that peak? Silver Star. Silver Star. Yeah, that uh, Salmon Creek uh, confluence uh, kind of runs through the battleground area and out to the Columbia River. My grandfather's farm was uh, in the shadow of that area, so. Um, I, I think that that, that particular uh, drainage is uh, something's going back and forth. Could very well be true. Absolutely. So your earlier days actually uh, were, your interest was kind of sparked from when you were a little boy by a vocalization. How ironic is that? <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, it all kind of um, faded until the, the Patterson-Gimlin thing. And then I got uh, a copy of that. I followed that. I also got a book by a librarian that uh, after she had heard my story recommended that I read uh, Abominable Snowman Legend Come to Life by Ivan Sanderson. And Ivan is the one that broke the the uh, Patterson-Gimlin story in Argosy Magazine. So I, I kind of followed it uh, a little bit on the periphery, but life mostly got in the way, college and girls and marriage and kids and stuff. And then after all of that, when the kids were gone, uh, I started uh, looking around on the internet and uh, following conversations about Bigfoot. And then I kept toying with the idea of going on an expedition. I, I believe that would have been probably the 2004 expedition that you guys had here in Washington with the BFRO. You may remember going to that. But in 2005, that's when I went to a conference in Bellingham that really uh, told me I had to get out of the field. Um, that's where uh, I met most everybody that's in the, in the Bigfoot world. You know, uh, Dr. Jeff Meldrum was the headliner, but gosh, there was quite a few people that showed up for that. I was there. Yeah. I was right in front of you. Yamarone yeah, uh, noticed my eyes about the size of uh, pie plates uh, when he was uh, standing next to Bob Gimlin, and he turned to me, he goes, um, "Did you want to meet Bob?" <laughs> so yeah, I kind of wanted to meet Bob. <laughs> so I got to meet Bob Gimlin there. So it was really a great experience that spurred me to get out into the field, and I, I was fortunate to hook up with a, a, a group of investigators that kind of took me under their wing and showed me lots of different things. But it wasn't, um, I mean, I, I had fun camping and doing all those things, but I was always looking for maybe documenting and evidence. So I, I kind of drifted towards that. My first thing that I drifted towards was learning how to, to make casts. So um, I had a, a great location that yielded tons of footprints, albeit they were probably human, but I sure did learn how to cast uh, footprints. And at the same time, I was also toying with uh, audio. It was, we had an interesting experience with uh, a, a wood knock and going back and forth, but it wasn't recorded. So that, um, again, um, made me want to get um, a recording device hooked up to a bionic ear. And that kind of started my recording world. And had lots of interesting experience, recorded lots of different weird things that make you want to go hmm and um i i just uh, immerse myself in it 
So in 2010, um, I was uh, uh, working with a witness that was collecting hair. And I got a hold of uh, a Derek regarding the hair because he was supplying evidence to the person that was supposed to take a look at it. And so Derek and I uh, really hit it off very well. And he invited me, me to become uh, a member of the Olympic Project. And we haven't looked back since. But I have to be um, really honest here. If it wasn't for Derek and the Olympic Project, I would still just be some, some guy out there re- recording. Uh, I, I wouldn't be known. I, if it weren't for you guys and what you've done to promote the Olympic Project and uh, all of that, I, I would just be another also ran. You put the time in, dude. That's your self-made squatcher. Yeah, I've had uh, lots of help uh, uh, along the way. Paul Graves was uh, initially um, passed a lot of information on to me. Um, John Andrews uh, became a confidant. And I don't know, are you familiar with Monongahela? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, he um, was my first mentor and got me into looking at uh, audio visually through spectrographic analysis. So he's, he's a, a big part of who I am. Uh, Dr. Jeff Meldrum uh, consistently sends people my way these days. John Pickering uh, has just been a, a wonderful help. And then maybe one of the least known, but should be, because he's really done a great job for the Olympic Project, is uh, Johnny Manson, who runs the uh, summit every year out of uh, Grace Harbor. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. So your home is now with the Olympic Project, and you primarily focus on vocalizations. That's, that's kind of your thing. Yeah, well, actually, it's a little bit more than just focusing on vocalizations. I uh, work with witnesses, and I've done uh, long-term projects. Um, the first witness that I worked with uh, was for about five years. The The next witness uh, that probably put me on the map was uh, Donna and Greg's situation. And we'll, we'll be, uh, that's one of the categories we'll talk about. But they really, really helped me along and provided uh, just a ton of uh, audio. And then um, Julie Wrench, you familiar with Julie? She's part of the Monster X crew. Yeah. We've got a project that um, she is uh, consistently sending me audio to review and has uh, just given me a whole bunch. Um, There's another lady out of Alabama that wishes to remain anonymous, so I respect her privilege. So uh, she's uh, let me listen to a ton of her audio, and I've got a a lot from that. So um, it's been audio that comes to me from all over the country. and. That's when I started noticing some um, categories. And one of the categories I think we should start with tonight is um, the baboon bark. And I can um, set that up if you like. Yes, please. You've heard of uh, the term Yahoo, obviously, and maybe associated with uh, some terms from Appalachia, um, maybe uh, a description of, of Bigfoot. So I was. Um, perusing the uh, internet and uh, came across uh, the Daniel Boone story 
that he possibly shot at Yahoo. And I thought, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Wonder if there's more information on that. And as I was searching more information, up popped a YouTube video that was labeled um, Wahoo, the baboon bark. And I thought, no. <laughs> so if you want, let's uh, play the, the, it's called a real baboon bark. And it's a five time loop. All right. Well, well here it is. <laughs> So now let's uh, play uh, number two. Uh, it says uh, voice shouts Wahoo. That was recorded here in Washington state. And I know we don't have wild baboons. That was recorded in Washington, huh? Yes. Well, that is peculiar. That is peculiar. It doesn't, it seems to be, it's a little different and a little less percussive than the, than the previous one, but it has a similar sort of quality to it. Yeah. What got me was, um, you can definitely tell that it was like a, a mouth and a, a voice because you can hear the w of the wa. That is something that I don't, I don't, if, if that's a, a, a natural animal, I, I just don't know who, who what um, animal makes that sound. And I do have the um, ability to look up sounds that I think it could be uh, in Macaulay Library of Sound, and I just haven't found anything yet that matches uh, that particular vocalization. So for me, it's an unknown, unknown source. Now we're listening to something else that was recorded. Where was this one recorded? Also here in Washington at. Um, at the Browns, you know, you may have been familiar with uh, them, that we worked with them for uh, a while, did a listening project. And this was one of the uh, sounds that, uh, that was recorded that fits this specific category. So, and like I said, I've got a lot more. This is just some examples. I've got uh, tons of examples, but we just can't do everything on the show, so. All right, well, let's, let's give a listen to this one and see, and so the audience can hear it for themselves. Here we go. Oh, yeah, that's super interesting. I like that. <laughs> That'll do. You um, categorize all those as baboon bark sort of things because they're short, and, like choppy sort of things. Um, well, I call it the ba baboon bark because it is, to me, it is, uh, a, a, I can see a Sasquatch moving its mouth in the same way, creating the same sound, uh, if you will. Um, it's just a characteristic. It is a real animal. It is a primate. Um, there's lots of things that you may be able to extrapolate with this. And I just thought it was very interesting that we're hearing, I think we're hearing baboon barks uh, that are recorded by other investigators. And to be honest, most of the things that I find are not pointed out to me by uh, the witness. They'll they'll have they'll want me to listen to some knock or some other vocalization, not realizing that they've recorded this. So uh, that that's what interests me is that it's something that people aren't following, um, but I think they should because it's um, something out there is making that sound, and maybe one day we'll get a visualization with it. You know, like even better than the uh, baboon type stuff is the orangutan sound stuff. 
Oh, yeah. That's our next category that I like. That was an uh, eye-opener for me. Uh, I call it percussive voice. Now, I, I called it this way before what we're going to listen to. Um, how it came about was uh, we were on an investigation at one of our favorite locations, and uh, we were at the Frog Pond of all places, and there was three of us. Uh, one witness, um, this was, we were at the frog pond right at dusk. So there was just barely enough light to see things. And he watched a Sasquatch go between two trees. And the witness that I brought was uh, just about in a panic over that. And I kept the recorder going. And later on, oh, a couple years later, I, um, threw it up on a spectrogram and that's when i noticed that what i thought i had been hearing as percussive sounds like maybe drumming and or wood knocking actually had a cadence of a voice it had grunts and other things involved in it and i said to myself that looks like speech so um i came up with this uh, thing called percussive speech and I recorded it in many different places, many different locations that we have been working with witnesses on. And also witnesses sending me clips, again, not knowing that they had this in their recording, um, uh, it, it became apparent to me that something, something <laughs> was very interesting going on here. So the percussive voice actually uh now i'm going to fast forward to me uh running into a clip again on youtube with tilda uh the orangutan she's um a captive in a zoo in germany and her handlers noticed that some of the sounds that she made as she was looking like she was verbalizing things were vowels and consonants and for the consonants they were clicks and pops and for the vowels, she seemed to be trying to do some guttural things with her voice. So they thought that she was mimicking voice structure, but it sounds uh, exactly like uh, what I call percussive voice that we've recorded. And again, we don't have orangutans in our forests around here, but it certainly could be uh, construed that we might. So I've got uh, several different... Um, file clips that we should listen to. But first, let's listen to Tilda. Okay, so well, let's, let's go on to the stuff that was recorded in the wilds here in North America. And uh, which one do we start with, Dave? What, what, what do you want to show us? Uh, well, no, let's start with the very last one. That's uh, Frog Pond. That's uh, the one that I told you that um the witness saw a sasquatch so that's important to relating to the what we also recorded okay so this is one of those rare circumstances where we have a recording where somebody had just recently or soon thereafter saw a sasquatch so there is a direct direct one-to-one -one correlation which is so often missing in bigfoot stuff but here we have that so this is an extremely interesting clip for that reason alone
That, that sound it was obviously looped several times. Um, and it sounded like a growly sort of like sort of thing. Yes. Yes. And then that's where I got the percussive speech because you could obviously hear the percussive sounds as well as the speech sounds. And what I thought were drumming, like maybe, you know, wood on wood, um, I now think is um, like tongue clicks and mouth pops. Uh, intermixed with the the grumbly, growly, huffy things going on. So I think it's communication of some sort. And that seems to be uh, borne out by recordings from all over the country in areas where they're looking for Sasquatch vocalizations. All right, looks like you have another one here. So let's take a listen to that. So, so Dave, th- do we have any information about how loud these sounds were when they were initially made? Because t- they don't sound like they're bellowing off a mountaintop here. It sounds like it's kind of a quieter noise that maybe could be heard from a few dozen yards, and that's about it. Yeah, I think that uh, these were recorded close to the uh, audio recorder. Um, so they aren't very loud noises. Then. No. They can be. That first one clip that we played, I'm going to guess we were 100 feet from the subject. Uh Uh-huh. So, um, you know, 100 feet or sometimes less. Uh, And I do have the ability to enhance. Um, I can increase the volume. And I, I edit in a spectrogram so I know exactly what sounds to enhance and what sounds to diminish to, to bring forward the sound of interest. So um, a, a lot of these are enhanced uh, so that we can hear them more clearly. Okay. So what, what would be next in this category then? Well, what else would you like to share with us in this? The next audio is percussive voice. That's um, uh, zero two one one. So weird. Yeah, that was recorded at uh, Donna and Greg's. Oh, yeah, I stayed there. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Anything weird happened while you were there? <laughs> you guys left the rock at the house. <laughs> That's not normal. Yeah. All right, I'm going to click this next one so we can listen to it, and then Dave can tell us about it. Here we go. That's something else, isn't it? Yeah, that was um, recorded by Julie, Julie Ranch, Monster X. Um, we started a listening project maybe three, three and a half years ago. She had just recently moved out to a location uh, undisclosed, but near the Uari. I'm pretty sure you know, you guys know where that is. And uh, she just on a whim, because she had been sending me. Uh, audio from witnesses that she had been 
uh, getting uh, over the internet. And I said, well, tell me about your place, your location. And she did. And I said, well, why don't you set out a recorder, see what happens? Oh, my word. <laughs> oh, boy. It was, it turned out to be uh, pretty, pretty interesting. And she's got uh, vocalizations all over the map. And this one was, uh, I think, one of her favorites because it not only involves percussive speech, but uh, vocalization <laughs> that um, I just, I don't know what makes that uh, sound other than what we suspect it could be. Yeah, it's super interesting. That, and that's clearly some sort of primate and that you'd have to put it in you know, great ape of some sort, maybe, maybe human, but I don't think so. Right. 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 Well, very interesting. An effort to uh, move right along. We could, um, uh, now go into the, the Donna and Greg clips. Okay. My association with Donna and Greg came through the Olympic project. Uh, Donna had been working with Derek, um, Randall's on several different things that had been happening out on her property including finding foot impressions. Then one day she started talking, uh, Donna did, to uh, Derek about hearing voices, um, that she shouldn't have been hearing voices in the location she was hearing them down this, down this ravine. Uh, she said that she couldn't make out what the voices were saying, but that they were definitely speech. And so Derek goes, oh, time out. Um, I'm going to call in the Calvary. I need you to talk to David. <laughs> so um, my association with Donna started in about 2014. We started uh, a listening project after I had gone out to their house, uh, walked around their property, got to a specific location way deep in the woods uh, from their house. And I said, you know, I'm going to try a wood knock and just to see on a whim, just to see if we get any response. Uh, well, yeah, we got a response. We got a response immediately. And then we could hear something moving from a one o'clock position to a three o'clock position. I did another wood knock. We got another wood knock back. And this thing that's um, at our three o'clock is now moving towards like our five o'clock and got behind us and did an unsolicited knock, which was responded to by a knock at our 12 o'clock that was also just on its own. So it seems like something had moved in a flanking position to surround us. We would now had something in front of us that would knocks and something behind us that would knocks. So at that point in time, it had my curiosity and that's why when we got back to their house, I said, I think we need to start a listening project if you're up for it. And what that involves, I, I told Donna would be, I gave her an audio recorder and I said, what you need to do is turn it on at, say, um, just prior to dusk and leave it record all night long. Don't touch it. Don't go anywhere near it. And so she did that. And oh my gosh, what we got. <laughs> Out of uh, three years of audio recording is um, amazing. And the one that her husband was kind of skeptical, but when he heard this particular vocalization, it changed everything. Um, and it's more speech-like than a vocal. So um, let's listen to clip one.
And that was the one that she heard in real time as it happened. Is that correct? Actually, no. That one was recorded um, in uh, sometime late at, at, at night in the evening. Um, <clears throat> actually, I think we figured out it was somewhere between three o'clock and four o'clock in the morning. Mm. So it was when no person uh, should have been out. We did a recreation of it uh, with Greg just so that, you know, skeptical people would say, well, that was her husband. They faked it. Um, so we did a recreation with him and he couldn't come anywhere close to being the volume of sound that this was. We recorded it at numerous places that it could have been without getting up on the deck and nothing came close to um, or his voice did not come close to m matching the volume. It was a voice that reappeared numerous times. You know, every few months we'd get this particular voice. So it didn't seem like it was hanging around the place all that often, but we would periodically hear it. Um, so, yeah, let's go to number two. Whoopi Man Returns. All right. Well, here we go then. not much to that one it's it's it was the tone of the voice that caught our attention and we could definitely hear the earmarks so dave what you're saying that these um, maybe no, they're not they're not similar in what they sound like but they're similar in voice quality is that what you're going for here um well actually a little bit of both there is um usually i i can find the whoopee uh portion of the voice but absolutely the tone you nailed that part there's a definite tone to this particular voice structure. That, that's enough on the whippy voice if we want to move along. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. So moving along, uh, we can go to uh, long vocalizations if you want. Everybody pretty much likes to hear the long vocalizations, so I thought I'd throw that category in here. Oh, they are my favorites. Those are great. We're a little biased, though, probably. So the first uh, one is Three Rainier Howls, K-Walls, and um, that was recorded uh, by a witness down in Rainier, Washington. They sent it to Christine Walls at the time, and she in turn sent it to me, and um, it's it's pretty good. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I really like it a lot. Yeah. And of course, Christine's a good friend of all of ours. She does good work and uh, happy to have her uh, represented on the show in any way possible. So. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's see. The next one is 702 Howl 5X Loop. Um, this was recorded by Julie Ranch in North Carolina. Um, and then the next howl after that, the next one that 
recording will play, uh, I believe is the same vocalizer, but it has it manipulates its voice in a in a, a certain way that's kind of interesting. I call it undulation, an undulating vocal. So we'll, I think we should play those back to back if we want. Okay, so two clips in a row here. Love them. <laughs> yeah, isn't that interesting? I'm, I'm sure you've heard that downward vocalization technique. I'm not sure if that's an individual signature or what, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, both of those are really good uh, examples of those long howls. That's just great. The next one was also recorded by Julie. I, it's, I call it one of my favorite howl and wood knock. To get a howl is great. To get a wood knock is great. But to get a howl and a wood knock, I think is special. All right. Well, I'm feeling special. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, that's cool. It's like a period at the end of the sentence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the wood knock was uh, fairly close compared to the vocalization, I think, was further away. Okay, what else do you have to share with us, Dave? Um, there's a category that um, I first heard when we were working with the Browns um, where record is something that seemed to extend the, the vocal uh, in a singing fashion. Um, and we have uh, several examples that um, I'd, like to hear, I'd like to have you guys play. That uh, I think really define it. You'll 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 understand once you hear it. Okay, let, let's take a listen then. Well, I can see why you call that singing. Then, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they kind of hold the note, if you will, for a little extended period of time and uh, changes into another note. So I, I, I don't know what to call it other than it sounds similar to singing. So that's the category I call it. Maybe somebody might have another professional name they'd like to call it, but that's the category that I... And, you know, that brings up a good point. We really should clarify here. It's like, you know, I want people walking away. Dave Ellis and Cliff Barrick and Bobo, they're all saying the Bigfoot sing to one another. Well, and, you know, that's not what we're saying at all, man. Like, what we're, we're just slapping titles. I mean, well, Dave is just slapping titles of what these remind him of. He's not saying that they have, they are, they are they're, 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 that Bigfoot's a soprano. And then we're not saying they sing in church choirs or anything like that. We're just saying that Dave, this, for Dave, this reminded him of that. And he puts those in that bucket. You know, so just all the people listening out there, I don't want to burst the bubble. We're not saying Bigfoots are like, you know, singing in church choirs and stuff. It's cool. That's just a category that Dave is putting these things in. Okay. So that one was recorded at Donna and Greg's as well. 
And there's a, there's a second one here. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, the second one was actually recorded with the first witness that I worked with out of Grace Harbor. Um, we recorded this uh, one fall evening uh, with a group of people that were actually there with us at the, at the time that this was captured. But uh, I think you'll find it, the same signature that I'm promoting that this fits in a singing type of a category. Okay, let's take a listen then. Dang, that's like horror movie stuff. <laughs> yeah, there was one part where I'm not quite sure. Uh, I think there was two vocalizers. One seems a little bit upset with the other one that's singing and seemed more like of a scream of knock it off. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, and I can. there are some similarities like the bow oh, and that drop, that second half of the vocalization there. How far apart were those recorded? No more than 75 miles, maybe 50 miles. Okay, maybe that's a, a low, and we only have samples of that from the West Coast and the Olympic Peninsula, or are there samples? No, no, actually, I've, I've got it uh, all over the country. They, they, these just happen to be several that I slapped together. It's a species thing, not like a local accent, shall we say. Right, right. I've got more cards held at the vest here. Well, very good. You have another category here, and it's called John Andrews, of course. Um, well, John is uh, the reason I, I got into recording. I always give homage to, to John every chance I get. I think he's uh, recorded the gold standard of vocalizations. Now, of course, you mentioned earlier in this broadcast here that uh, you went to the 2005 Bellingham Conference, and John was one of the presenters there. I, I very clearly remember his presentation because I was so impressed by what he had recorded. Yep. This uh, one track, the first one, number one, is uh, one of the most impressive uh, vocalizations I've ever heard recorded, and it matched exactly to the tenor and tone uh, that I heard when I was 11 years old, 30 feet away. So uh, the power of the of vocalization, uh, John estimates was a mile to maybe three quarters of a mile away. So uh, you be the judge of how, how powerful a beast would have to be to make this particular sound. This long vocalization is about 12 seconds in length. So it's, it's the, in my estimation, the real thing. So if we want to play that one. All right. Well, here it is then. So good. Yeah, that's pretty much the gold standard of Ohio Hells right there. You know, that's just fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so here's uh, the latest clip uh, from John. He sent me this uh, about a year ago. Uh, he recorded it late one night when nobody else was around. He thought it was interesting. He wanted to share it with me. I think it's interesting. You might think it's interesting. And no one's ever heard this before, right? This is a Bigfoot and Beyond exclusive right now? Yes, sir. Ooh. 
John Andrews special. Nice. Yeah, kind of a weird two tonal sort of thing, but instead of dropping down like several of the other vocalizations did, it went upwards. That's interesting. Yeah. And that was recorded in the high cascades, right? Yes, sir. Right here in Washington State. Nice. It's good to have people like you and John and those other people uh, um, back east who are interested in vocalizations are working so hard to record as many as possible and spending the endless, endless, tedious, horrible hours going through all this stuff. Bunch of weirdos and really appreciate it. It's much worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's like gold panning or something. When like, you spend hours out there, and you, every when you get that little thing, man, it just keeps you going. It keeps you going and coming back for more. It's so cool when you get anything at all. So we Bigfooters are a, a strange bunch. It keeps me out of trouble with my wife. I'm not so much of a nuisance when I'm behind the computer. <laughs> Well, all right, Dave, man, you have dazzled our earballs with all sorts of yummy treats, and we really, really appreciate it. Um, when Bobo and I were talking, we wanted to do more vocalization segments on the show, and we, we immediately thought of you. So thank you very much for setting aside some time and spending it with us and playing us some of the newest stuff out there, um, and also talking about the various categories that you're putting these vocalizations in now. It's really interesting, because when you have enough data like that, you got to start segmenting it out. Otherwise, it just becomes overwhelming. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Your uh, platform has just uh, been a wonderful experience, and I really do appreciate uh, you giving me the opportunity to play a few sounds that have piqued my curiosity as well as others. And uh, it's an ongoing process. We may never ever prove anything. I'm not claiming any of these are Bigfoot. Uh, what I am claiming is that they're interesting, uh, suspicious, and have been reviewed visually. So I, I feel pretty good about the, the suspicious part. Uh, whether we can tie them to uh, Biggie, that's, uh, that's another uh, quest for somebody with credentials larger than my own. So um, I'm just hoping to set people up in the future. So, yes, uh, thank you very much for having me on um, Bigfoot and Beyond. And if you need to reach me, uh, reach out to me. Uh, you can send an email to uh, our webpage, olympicproject.com, um, and I will respond. So you're soliciting vocalizations from anywhere in the country. Anybody wants to send you something, you'll put your ears on it, right? I will. I will. Um, and uh, send it back to you with comment. And if I can uh, put a known animal to the signature, I will tell you that, too. So Fantastic. Thank you for that service. You bet. Thank you for your service, Dave. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Bobo. All right. Have a good night. Well, all right, Bobo. He said it, man. Interesting and suspicious. That has Cliff and Bobo written all over it, man. Yeah, that was a good one. We got some more vocalization specialists coming up. So that's got that kind of theme running. So I'm looking forward to it. And we're always telling people to keep it squatchy. Well, we're going to keep it squatchy this week and go out playing three minutes of nonstop squatch sounds for you. Yes, yeah, your squatch mix, your extended squatch mix for the week. We're in the company of John Andrews, who's doing taping, and Nancy Smith and Richard Grover. And there's nobody up there but us. And all the frogs are completely quiet. The frogs just quit croaking. It's kind of an overcast night. Overcast night. 
very still. Still, no, no breeze. Okay, good. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 